So we're exploring a perspective that we feel like the Lord's awakening within us in this season of the church. It's been really interesting because we're aligned and connected in a variety of forums now around the U.S., in the United Kingdom, and now in other nations abroad beyond that, and we're speaking into and connecting with what those uh, forums are, those circles. And um, it's been really challenging in a lot of respects. There's a lot of stretching going on right now in this season of the church. How many believe God wants to do something profoundly significant in the earth in this next season of the church? There really is a shift that's taking place. And what we want to do is cooperate with that. What we don't want to do is just keep building and chugging along and doing the best we can and trying to succeed when actually succeeding at something that's not part of the plan is really not success at all. So we're pausing, we're praying, we're listening. One of the things that we know is that God is asking us to take a deeper sense of appreciation and love for the power of his transforming word. So what I want to do is just start this morning just with music, the atmosphere going, uh, we're shifting some things with our community groups and the way we're going to approach discussion questions. We're just going to dig deeper into the Word. How many believe the transforming power of God's Word doesn't really need us to dress it all up all the time? Uh, and so we just know that God's Word has power in and of itself. So I just want to read the, the Scripture that we're going to center around today. And I want to ask you to lean in to what God desires to say just as we celebrate the power of His Word. So I don't want to just read it as the point I want to make for the sermon I want to preach. It's the point I'm making. I want us to really engage and cooperate and experience the presence of God in the way we explore his word. Philippians chapter 2. In fact, if you would, uh, I, I, don't, I don't want to do the shorter portion. I want to go ahead and do starting at verse 3 that I had later in the message. Cheryl, thank you so much for being fluid. Philippians 2, starting at verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves. Lord, we just pause right there in that moment. And we ask that today you would help us to move past our natural inclination of selfishness. We would learn what it is to lay our own lives down on behalf of the cross of Christ and the lives of others. Verse 4, that we would not look to our own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. <laughs> Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Lord, thank you for the reading of your word and the power that comes from our pausing in an attitude that really recognizes the power of God's Word more than the presentation of a clever sermon. 
So give us wisdom, Lord, to navigate into this next season and become the church that you have desired for us to become as we cooperate with your guidance and direction. In Jesus' mighty name, and all the people said, Amen. Amen. So God, great big God, comes all the way down to become little bitty man. Thank you, sir. Great big God, little bitty man. And think about it. His most profound and influential mark on humanity didn't come in his great big expression, but in the smallest expression of who he is. I, I, I don't know if you've ever been to Niagara Falls, but the force of that water is beyond comprehension. If you could imagine what it would be like to take the force of all that great big water and channel it without losing any of its force into a small pipeline tunnel. Can you imagine? Like, if that thing could squirt upward, it would shoot up to the heavens, no telling how high. And what I'm trying to communicate today is what we're really sensing of the Lord, and it's why we have tables set in the auditorium. If you're online, thank you for joining us online. Just take a glance over if you're in your home at your kitchen table, because that is the big component of what we're stepping into, just understanding the, the power of that which is seemingly small. And so the title today and what we want to focus in on is how little things make a big difference. And it's quite amazing when you really uh, think about the, the context and the idea that I'm sharing, and then in contrast and comparison to what the common message of the Western world church is. Let me, let me demonstrate the contrast. Are you ready for this? How many of you agree? God is awesome. Come on, somebody. God is awesome. God is awesome. I want you to know God's plans are awesome. God has great big plans. I'm telling you, you are awesome. God is so amazing, and you are awesome. Come on, somebody. You have such a bright future. You need sunglasses to dream. Hallelujah. It's going to be huge, as one person said. Well, that didn't go over very well. <laughs> great big God, great big plans, awesome God, awesome plans. You're awesome. I want you to think about this, because that message builds something up. That message takes us into a, a space, a feeling, a sense of inspiration. That message suddenly empowers me to awaken you to greater places of action where I might want you to go so that we can build what it is God's asking us to build. And you know that if you've been around here for very long at all, I'm, uh, I'm an exuberant individual. And like it's taking me a lot of self-control to learn what this is really supposed to look like in this next season of the church because God is awesome. 
But if all we're ever doing is focusing on the awesome without ever bringing it into a concentrated expression, then we're probably missing the point in celebrating the writings of Scripture but neglecting the ways of the Savior. It's one thing to embrace the message of Christ. It's another thing to express the method of Jesus who always seemed to be eating at a little bitty table. What if God is purposing a season of micro-movements for the body of Christ? Just think with me about this. What if God is purposing a season where we stop putting so much emphasis on the person standing in front of the camera and the lights who brings the message that inspires What if God is purposing a season where everybody understands that they are the ministers of God in their five-foot circle world and a micro-movement of God's power being expressed through your surrendered available life is like shoving the power of Niagara Falls down into the pipeline of your heart and your home and your workplace and your neighborhood? I read this prophetic word from a really trusted source in the UK this past week. And they said, I'm giving my people blueprints of millions of micro-movements that are needed for this time. Many are holding back because they look small and insignificant. Do not consider movements of the past. What I'm mobilizing will carry the same might, the same power, and the same backing of heaven in a micro-expression through my people. They are wildfire movements, catalysts for revival around the earth to become an infrastructure for the greatest harvest the earth has ever seen. How many of you believe God may be up to something profoundly significant and our getting into alignment with our personal assignment is a really big part of answering the call of God together as a family and that's the desire of the Lord, that the nations of the world would be awakened to the purposes of God through the people of God that are willing to walk this out in an everyday everyday fashion. So we've been saying this, you know, for a few months. I just want to reiterate it. It seems very fitting for the moment. But waiting on the Lord, waiting on the Lord. Do you see value in waiting on the Lord? Like waiting on the Lord. Throughout Scripture, waiting on the Lord is boring to the underdeveloped, overstimulated church of our generation. Waiting on the Lord is powerful, yet waiting on the Lord is boring to the overstimulated, underdeveloped, God is awesome, everything's big, you're awesome, let's not have a moment of silence, let's keep this thing going, we gotta keep the momentum going, we're gonna keep growing, we're gonna keep pulling people in, we're gonna keep making the budget, we're gonna keep doing, you know, keep extending, keep expanding. Waiting on the Lord is boring in the overstimulated, underdeveloped church of our generation. I believe God wants to awaken something of supernatural power in everyday, ordinary, common believers' lives where when you walk, perhaps your shadow has the power to heal the sick everywhere you go. Come on, let's clap it in. Let's agree. You are the sons and daughters of God. We want to surrender to the purposes of God and the plans of Jesus. The supernatural can be, but doesn't have to be spectacular. 
We're not afraid of the spectacular. We love the spectacular. It's just that we don't worship the spectacular. The supernatural can be spectacular, and at times, perhaps, it will be in your life. But the the supernatural does not have to be spectacular. There can just be a very common conversation that releases something profoundly significant. And I think that's the point that Jesus was making when he came in such a common way to express the power of God to all humanity. Maybe he still wants to make that point through our common everyday lives. The world system has evangelized the church into thinking these big, splashy programs, advertising campaigns, well-orchestrated stadium events, finely tuned messages for mass crowds. These are the primary avenues to produce spiritual growth and development in the lives of believers. And I just want to say, that's the world system telling us that. And we need to step back from the world system, stop trying to be like the world system, and figure out the system of the kingdom of God that actually has the power to transform the world around us. Our large gatherings serve a very important purpose. I want to make sure we understand as we've been driving toward this, as people are now starting to meet with people that are non-church people in their homes as an expression, we're, we're, we're talking about leading the destiny table right out of your own home. That's something you're interested in. We want to talk to you more about what that looks like. It becomes a micro movement of literal church plants out of homes everywhere in the metro area and people are now starting to invite their friends and family after a season and progression of praying for them, believing God for them, searching for the grace of God on those interactions. We're working to equip and empower, inspire, but more than inspire, empower, walk through a practical element and dynamic of this where you then invite those folks into your house. And what we're seeing now is people giving their lives to Jesus in the homes of those that are leading the destiny table out of their home. That is something that we should really recognize. When was the last time any of us led somebody personally to Christ? And the answer to that in the Western World Church is not very often. But God wants to do something that helps us begin to understand. Some of us have this mantle and this call. Not everybody has the mantle and the call that I'm talking about. And that's the point. There are community group leaders. We've done an enrichment weekend with our community group leaders. They're not leading the destiny table out of their home. They're the community group leaders for our church family. They serve an important purpose in what God's calling us to do in growing deeper in the word and together in cohesion. And then there's this gathering where we're coming together. And in a gathering like this, what we have to understand is that enemies are more readily defeated when we gather in a space of worship like this all together as a congregational family. There's something powerful about an organic guitar in a living room that I personally really enjoy. But that doesn't serve the purpose of a few hundred of us gathering together in alignment with a worshipful expression declaring we are the army of the living God and our role together is to stand shoulder to shoulder as troops declaring the enemy is defeated, we are alive, we are not shrinking back, come on, we've got the power of God at work within our lives when we gather like this. It's an important part. But I don't have to convince you that gathering together is an important part. What we have to explore and understand is it's more than that. And if our gathering together is the cure-all expression that concludes in our gathering, then we're missing the point. 
Because our gathering together should actually inspire and empower and mobilize us to more effective ministry taking place. Our large gatherings serve an important purpose. I've had people ask me, we're going to the table. My own mom came to me and she said, son, please tell me we're not going to stop having church. (laughs) And I said, mom, we're not going to stop having church. We're going to gather as the church because it's a beautiful expression for us to gather as the church. But I think it's really good that people feel a sense of nervousness even in that conversation about what it is that we're sensing the Lord is doing. And that is you are a very important part to the ministry God wants to bring into society. Uh, What I'm saying is we are going to transform society way sooner by your hospitality than by my preaching or our preaching team's preaching. Do you believe that? Like inviting people to church, I hope you'll do it. Next week, we're going to have Discovering Destiny. We do that three times a year, and so it's a strategic time. I would suggest that you invite people to come, and between the two services, we'll take a few moments together, and we'll talk about what it is to really interact personally in a relationship as a church family. It's a really wonderful thing in that regard. But what we have to understand is that Jesus did speak to large crowds, but what we see Jesus doing in many instances is turning away from the eager crowd pursuing him to invest himself in a smaller expression of a few people together, his 12 disciples. And that's where the most meaningful expression of discipleship takes place. Hear me loud and clear. That is where the most meaningful expression of discipleship takes place. If your faith is wrapped up in a congregational gathering as the fullness of the expression of your faith, then your faith is largely dysfunctional and does not resemble the expression of the life of Jesus. Jesus Christ on earth. If I was down there, I would clap right now and shout amen. That's what I would do because that is a painfully good point. There's something about being challenged by God's word as a family that is significantly awakening. And it's a good thing. But how many of you know you can wake up and still be laying in bed and not become productive. It's not just about waking up, it's about getting up and getting active. And that's what we want to do is mobilize the church into greater places of action and influence in the lives of people around them. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. They worshiped all together in the temple and they met in smaller groups, growing deeper in the things of God. The Lord set this example. God didn't make his greatest impact in the grandeur of God, the infinite God expression that he is in heaven. He made his greatest impact in the earth in his smallest expression as he humbled himself to become a man. Please hear this in translation form to you. How do you take your amazing, God is really amazing. He is amazing. I mean, when we start singing, when Chrissy gets up here and the team starts rocking and, and Randy, and, you know, when, when, when all this was happening, it's like I'm drinking in the greatness of God in celebration with my family. I have to, however, learn to translate that into some micro expression into the world around me. Or I become well-fed and spiritually constipated. 
How many know there's some spiritually constipated Christians in the world in which we live? I mean, they're facing, they're well fed, but they're spiritually constipated. I'll just leave that alone, but you, you get the point. We have to have expression. We're a reservoir. If all we're doing is taking in, we're a river when we begin to produce and release something beyond us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 8. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Don't come to church and worship out of selfish ambition. Don't look for a church that has, out of selfish ambition. I hear so many people, I'm just looking for a church that will feed me. I just want a place that will feed me. I want a place that will take care of me. I want a place that will love me. Listen, stop looking for a church that you can use for your own advantage and benefit and start looking for a family you can serve and open that gateway up and see what God might do through your surrendered available life. Great dating advice, by the way. I just want to find someone who will make me happy. Stop looking for somebody that you want to use to make you happy because you're using them. You're not loving them if making you happy is the purpose of that connection. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He was God, but he didn't see being God as something he would use to his own advantage. That is profound. But rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Great big God uses little bitty man, little bitty woman, to make a meaningful impact in the world that is within their reach. Your greatest ministry will always happen on the smallest level. It's absolutely true. The pastor who was preaching in a church serving for years and years concluded his final Sunday, and at the conclusion of his message, he walked down to the front and was Everybody was going to come and greet him, uh, bid him a farewell, thank you for serving. He, he envisioned in his mind they were going to come and say, man, that series you did back in this day, the preaching you did there, the sermon you brought here. He had envisioned in his mind all this was going on. Not one person ever thanked him for the sermons that he preached. Every person that embraced him and thanked him did so with tears in their eyes for being there when they were going through a difficult time in their marriage, for serving them when they lost a loved one, for marrying them when they fell in love. Something personal. This pastor described this. I mean, it, it kind of began to kind of help me rethink what we're trying to do, even what I'm trying to do, even in my pastoral role of ministry. My greatest ministry is not going to happen on a platform level. My greatest ministry is going to happen on a personal level. In my own home, in my own family, I want my marriage to honor and reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. I want both of my daughters to serve the Lord their God, love the church, and love others. I mean, that personal expression is my most important expression. I want personal relationships to be influenced by the presence and the power of God as a way of life, simply because I'm a Christian, not because I'm a pastor. 
1768, a 45-year-old Scottish preacher took this tiny, poor, rural school for teenage boys. These boys were unruly, difficult to deal with. The building was dilapidated, really running down. But he felt the call of God to step in and work with this very small group of boys. In fact, he remained there for 26 years of his life. And in that 26 years, he ministered to a mere 450 students over the course of 26 years. Doesn't seem like 26 years, 450 students that he would teach in this school would be a, a huge impact. But it was the call of God on his life. Of those 450 students, 114 of them became ministers following in the footsteps of the man who mentored them as a minister of the gospel that came to teach in the school. 49 of them became United States representatives, 28 became senators, 26 became state judges, 14 were delegates to the state convention that ratified the Constitution of the United States of America, 12 of them were members of the Continental Congress, 8 were U.S. district judges, 3 were Supreme Court justices, 3 attorney generals, 2 foreign ministers, 1 secretary of state, 1 vice president, and 1 president of the United States of America. How many of you believe he made a bigger impact than he realized he was making in those moments in his life? The preacher's name was John Witherspoon. The small, dilapidated old building is now known as Princeton University. One person can really make a difference. But Witherspoon didn't make a difference as a public figure with vast influence being entrusted to his care on a major level he made a difference by personally involving himself in the lives of individuals that were going to go on and do something significant with the deposits God was using him to put in their heart and their lives and their mind and their emotions. One person really can make a difference. If you were here when we first started, we, we always start now with a story, a testimony, something that God is doing. And I just want to recognize and honor Karen and say thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your story. Karen shared uh, how now as an adult, she is a tutor for us with WizKids. WizKids is this incredible ministry where we bus children in. We specifically focus in on Crooked Oak Elementary School because Crooked Oak has an 80% dropout rate before the student graduates high school, and they deemed it as largely due to the issue of illiteracy. So we bus children in, and we are uh, tutoring them weekly as a ministry expression as a church into our community. And so Karen was just sharing how she was once a student being brought into WizKids to be mentored and tutored, and now she's a tutor. And I have to say, uh, I was really inspired by that, and I started thinking about, I mean, it's been maybe 16 years or so ago. I'm not sure now, 15 years. But uh, when we first started being a part of WizKids as a church family here, uh, I wanted to experience it. And so I became a tutor, and Lottie was my second-grade student. And so seven-year-old Lottie, and you'll see Lexi on, on one shoulder and Lottie on the other on the left. And then there's Lottie on the right with her sister, Lovey, graduating from high school and she graduated with honors and she wanted to make sure that I knew as a tutor in her life I've graduated high school and I've graduated with honors thank you for taking the time to invest in me when I was seven years old I want to say to you once again your greatest impact is going to be made on your most personal level of ministry so here we are celebrating and commissioning teachers today 
It's a pretty fitting word for teachers that give themselves tirelessly in the lives of individuals. Teachers, uh, let me just encourage all of our teachers to understand that teachers who invest in students individually awaken them on many levels of life. In fact, research shows that students tend to learn more when they believe their teacher cares for them personally. Anybody here have a great story of a teacher who impacted your life on a personal level? I mean, that certainly was the case for me. A student's feelings of being accepted by their teacher are significantly related to emotional, cognitive, and behavioral engagement in class. All I'm saying is good teachers teach subjects well. Great teachers teach students well. (laughs) And it's about being personally engaged and personally involved. Amen. Pretty much that's it. Glad you came today. The question is, what are you going to do with it? So let's take just a moment. Our worship team will come. You know, every week what we want to do is take what the Lord stirs in our hearts, bring that into an expression of worship to the Lord our God. And so part of our congregational assignment is we don't just conclude preaching is over, we just run out, we got what we needed, a little encouraging word, we want to allow the Lord to process what he's deposited in us just a bit. So I'm going to invite you in just a moment just to engage in a place of worship. Take anything that the Lord may be speaking to your heart through our time together, whether that was in worship or maybe something that was awakened in the, the scripture or the word that we're, we're camping around, but take whatever it is that God has made alive within you and bring that to him. And invite him to transform your life as a result of what he's doing within your heart. Boy, that's a significant part of this whole thing. Some of you here may say, you know, I want to be a part of uh, Whiz Kids. I mean, I want to learn more about that. I know Katie would be really glad to talk to you. And everything we do is always pointing us back to the Connect card. It's in the seat back in front of you. If you'd like to know more about WizKids, you can fill that out. Drop it in one of our giving stations on the way out. There's a, you can text Destiny. Um, those of you that are online, we may even explore how to do some of this online with somebody in-house. And we're now doing groups online and things along those lines. But you can text Destiny to the number that will appear on your screen and uh, fill out this card digitally as well. Some of you, maybe you're um, you know, interested in really walking with the Lord, but you've really not had a strong relationship with the church as a part of the family of God. Can I just encourage you in something? It only happens three times a year, but we are going to come together next week on Sunday, like right about now. We're going to be concluding the service, and we're going to make our way upstairs in this building to the center room, and we're going to have what we call Discover Destiny. It'll be a 20 to 30-minute conversation. You're going to be introduced to some people that lead a six-week group to help you figure out more of who you are, help you understand more of who we are, and how you are actually to contribute in the next phase of who we are supposed to become. That's the way it should work. We are the church. So if you're interested in discovering destiny, it only happens three times a year, happens to be next week, fill out a Connect card for us. Would you do that and drop it in a giving station? And the most important thing I could say to you is, would you just stand and and let's position our hearts before the Lord our God. Are you where you need to be in your relationship with Christ? Got a little teacher vibe going on up here, don't I? Are you where you need to be in your relationship with Jesus? 
Are you paying attention to what God desires to say in your everyday life as a way of worship to Him? Because worship's not about singing. Worship's about something so much more than that. Worship is about surrender. And we don't just surrender when we sing. We surrender in how we live. This Wednesday night, we're going to have an evening together as a family worship night at 7 p.m. I would invite you to come. And let's begin to impact the atmosphere of our city. Let's begin to declare that God is doing a great work as we engage our hearts as a family. All together on Wednesday at 7 p.m., right here in this room, we're going to really press in and just allow the Lord to have his way. I believe release some things through our space of worship. But, but, but the big question is, are you where you need to be in your relationship with the Lord? So just take, take just a few seconds. Just close your eyes, bow your head, just between you and God. Lord, I believe in a moment like this, you can be bringing us into a, a space of loving conviction that could transform everything about our lives for all eternity. And I pray that you would help each and every one of us take at least one step forward in our faith and in our patience, in our trust. Just knowing you, walking with you. Learning that conversation with God is actually a way of life. Praying and pressing in and reading your word is all a cultivation of what it is to have a conversation with God as we walk throughout the course of the day. What a beautiful, beautiful opportunity we have as the sons and daughters of God. And it all begins with the realization and the revelation that Jesus Christ came as the expression of sacrifice to all humanity. He lived, he died, suffered a death on a cross so that we might live and was risen from the grave because he was sinless and didn't deserve to die. Jesus is the Savior of the world. If you believe that, say amen. If you receive that in your own life, say amen. Lord, you are who you say you are. We need to know you more intimately every day that we live on this journey that Mrs. Howard was describing in the various stages of life, starting out somewhere in the middle, having been on the journey every day. We need you more than we've ever needed you before. The mercies of the Lord are new every morning. And we thank you, Lord, as we press into you today. You'll awaken more within us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let me encourage you. We're just going to press in just for a few moments in worship. We won't take long, but we just want to take that which God is stirring in our heart. If today you're making any kind of decision for the Lord, you're making a decision to um, accept Christ, or a decision to take a step further in your relationship with the Lord, or a decision to get more involved with the church family. Jesus loves the church. How many of you want to be like Jesus? <laughs> Jesus loves the church. We've got to learn to love the church. Then fill out a Connect card and let us reach out to you, get you involved in Discovering Destiny next week, start to walk out with you what it is to really walk this journey out, serve the Lord your God with your whole heart. Come on, let's just press in and worship the Lord before we're dismissed. <laughs>